0: Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation, I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can take a seat. Good
1: morning, friends. Peace be with you. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. Uh, My name is Casey. I'm one of the pastors here, um, and I'm glad you're here. If you haven't been here before, I would love to meet you afterwards. Um, This Sunday uh, is the third Sunday in our series that we're doing over the summer called Worshiping Church. Uh, And throughout this series, we're exploring the theme of worship in the scriptures, uh, but not just for the sake of exploring the theme of worship in scriptures, but to develop and align the why and the how we worship. A lot of times you'll hear sermons or sermon series on worship, and it's a lot of why we should worship God, uh, but not a lot of how. And so we're trying to blend the why and the how together because we're a new congregation. We're just kind of getting our feet. And so we, we're in this together. Uh, it's important for us to remember, because we are a young congregation, that historically speaking, God's people have not just like handed the, the college kid that can sing a guitar and said, hey, let's go worship. Um, although that's great. Uh, that's kind of what happened to me. Um, But there has been an order and a form to the way God's people have worshipped throughout the centuries and millennia. The church has always believed that the way in which we gather matters. And so here at Trinity, we believe that that God and the worship of God is at the core of our existence. The book of Revelation, you see these angelic creatures and the hosts of heaven symbolically representing all of creation is worshipping God, and they've been doing it forever. And so what we do when we get here on Sunday and we gather together, it's really kind of like we're tapping into a live stream of what's actually real, what's actually going on and has been going on forever. It's core to who we are. And so we gather every Sunday to worship God in light of who he is and what he's done in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we believe because of that death and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, That our our gatherings should be shaped in the form of that gospel. And so every week we're going to begin with what? A call to worship. We begin with a call to worship because worship's God. It's God's idea. He gets the first word. He calls us to himself. And when we see God for who he is, our sin is exposed and we confess our sin. And when we do, he's faithful and just, the scriptures say, to forgive us. And so we hear that word of assurance that he's going to forgive us in Christ when we confess, which affords us peace, peace with God and peace with one another. And together in that peace, in that rest, we can sit under his word as it's preached. We can commune with him at his table in the Lord's Supper, and we're sent on mission to make disciples with a benediction, a good word, as we go in the power of the Spirit. So God gets the first word in the call to worship, and he gets the last word in the benediction. And all throughout, we're formed by the Word of God and the Spirit of God as the people of God for the mission of God. Make sense? That's why we do what we do on a Sunday morning. That's why there's, if you've been here for any length of time, you might be able to just kind of rehearse that in your head. That's intentional. That's intentional. Um, because we want you to have the gospel deeply embedded, sort of like in channels in your life, so that when you wake up on Monday morning, you know, call to worship, confession, assurance, and peace. I'm going to sit under the word, commune with the Lord, and be sent by the Spirit. That's the shape of the gospel. He's God is holy, we're sinners, Jesus saves us, and he sends us. So this morning, we're going to dial in on that first part there, the call to worship. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take each element of the liturgy and and kind of unpack it and show you how the gospel is actually present in each movement of the liturgy. And Psalm 95 is actually the classic text uh, when it comes to uh, the Bible and worship. Throughout the century, Psalm 95, probably more than any other text in the Bible, has been used uh, to show us what it means to worship God and to be called to worship God. Because Psalm 95 gives us the what? the why, the how and the when of worship. the what, the why, the how and the when of worship. i'm going to show you that in four words which make one sentence which is four points of the sermon and the main point, right? come for worship today. come for worship today. the what, the why, the how and the when. look with me at the first word of psalm 95. depending on your translation Uh, You may have the word come or oh come. Come. One of the ways you can think about liturgy anywhere you are, but especially here at Trinity, is sort of the retelling of our family story. A family story that goes way, way, way back. It's the rehearsing of the gospel story each and every week. And the liturgy helps us in this way because we come from a long line of forgetful people. Anybody forget that it was Father's Day today? I know some of you did, because I texted you and you went, oops. We are forgetful people, and that's minor, but we are forgetful people who are restlessly prone to wander. We sang that line. The heart is a fickle thing, and it needs to be tuned regularly. And so the call to worship is sort of a tuning of our hearts to be reminded that worship isn't our idea, it's God's idea. And Psalm 95 begins with this word from God, because it is the word of God to the people of God saying, come. It's an invitation to worship him, the Lord. Come, let us sing for joy. And when God's people are gathered in his name, he's the host. Okay, He's the host. He's the one that invited us here. He's the one that invites us to worship him. The king of creation initiates and invites fellowship with him, which is important because you can't just approach the throne of a king, can you? You can't just decide, I'm going to go see the king who's sitting on his throne. You walk into the king's throne room without an invitation, you're going to get a spear in the side of the neck or something, um, Some secret service guy is going to take you out. You can't make it into the king's presence without an invitation. And so Psalm 95 reorients us. What is this about? It's about an invitation to come into the presence of the king. Not because you're righteous. Not because you deserve to speak to the king. Because you don't have any. The call is actually for the weak and the weary, the wounded, the poor, and the helpless. It's a call to come and drink deeply from a well that's never going to run dry. Isaiah, the prophet, issues a call to worship in chapter 55 of Isaiah, where he says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Jesus issues similar calls in the Gospels. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." You see, Jesus has the authority to call us to come to him because he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus himself said, no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. And so this call to worship, this call to sing and be joyful and praise the Lord, this call to fellowship and communion with him in verses 1 and 2 is really an expression of the gospel. It's this invitation to come and take something you don't deserve. So when the worship leader stands up in the morning on a Sunday here at Trinity and says the words, come, let us worship, what they're doing is inviting you to leave your work behind you. Not to ignore your burdens, but actually to lay your burdens down at the feet of Jesus so that you can lift your hands and praise him because he's worthy. And you can come to God through him. So there's a rub though, right? There's a rub because many of us walk into a Sunday gathering not ready for that. Not ready to worship, right? Anybody else? Or is that just me? You walk in on Sunday morning, you're just ready to praise the Lord. No, it's not how it is. There's a rub. We need a little time. We need to focus ourselves. We need to center ourselves because some of us come in here frustrated with our kids. Some of us come in here because we drank a little too much the night before and a little foggy. Some of us are sad. Some of us are tired. Some of us are stressed about school. Some of us are scared about our jobs. You name it. There's all sorts of things going on in our lives. In the weekly worship of God together calls us back to the story that has emotional highs and lows of sin and salvation. And we do that every single week, which is why we got to recalibrate. we got to rehearse the story again every Sunday. Come thou fount of every blessing, what? Tune my heart to sing thy grace. As a guitarist, that line, I love that line. Because if I place my guitar on the stand or if I place it in the case, it's never the same guitar when I pick it up again. Because there are internal factors in this guitar, the wood and the tension and the springs that change and put pressure on it. And there's also external factors. The weather outside, the temperature, the humidity put pressure on the guitar and it goes like this. And it causes it to go out of tune. Even if it's left alone, it goes out of tune. Let alone, you know, people running around, kids knocking it over. It's, it's always out of tune. And the same thing happens with your heart. I know that because the same thing happens with my heart. Between Sundays, you get knocked around. And there's internal things going on in you. There's sin. Your sin. And then there's stuff going on outside of you. There's all sorts of pressures. There's, there's other people's sin and the fallenness of the world. And all of a sudden, your heart's going in all kinds of directions. And it needs to be retuned. Doesn't it? it does. Come now, fount of every blessing. God, tune my heart to sing your grace. It's easy to forget. So I wanted to give us a few tips before we move on to the second point. Just a few tips this morning for how you can prepare your hearts for worship. Tip number one, recognize that worship starts before you walk through those doors. We don't say that worship at Trinity begins at 10 a.m. We say there's a call to worship that begins at 10 a.m. What we mean is there's actually one that's probably going to begin at 10.06 or 10.07 because, you know, we like to mingle. But worship doesn't start at 10 a.m. The call to worship is at 10. Because we don't come into this uh, space uh, not worshiping and then worship. You're already worshiping. You were created worshiping. Our hearts have been loving and desiring all kinds of things throughout the week. You've been worshiping, and so it's important to recognize that worship starts before you walk through those doors. And the prayer of your heart should be, God, help that thing. When I experience on Sunday morning the worship of you and and your experience and your presence and your love, and it's just so real on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday happens, and I just feel like I'm out of tune, The prayer that we should have is, God, make that gap smaller. Help me to stay in tune longer. That the whole life worship that happens Monday through Saturday would be present on Sunday. And I could come in ready to worship you. Second, center your heart on worship. Center your heart before worship. Okay? So the way that this might work is there are all sorts of things that we can do prior to our gathering on Sunday that make us ready to experience the presence of God and worship Him with all that we are. A few things. One of the things you could do is meditate on a verse of Scripture. Just put one on the fridge. Put one on the mirror. Psalm 95 would be a great place to start. Get your heart ready before you get here. Listen to music on the way here. If you're like me, you just crank it up. Get going hear, you know, whatever you want to listen to uh, that stirs your heart towards the Lord. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you need some quiet. Maybe you try and find a quiet place where you can just say, Lord, be present with me. I'm coming to your church to worship you. Help me do that. And one really easy thing to do is maybe take your phone and just flick do not disturb if you can. Some of you may not be able to do that in your work situation, but that is a liturgy you can take to your Um, personal pocket every week as a sign to say, Lord, I'm going to give you my focus. I'm going to turn my phone off. 24-7, all throughout the week, my phone's with me all the time. It's ever-present. Not like the Lord is ever-present, you know, a present help in time of trouble. The phone is is the trouble a lot of times that's present with me. I'm going to turn it off. Let's give the Lord our focus. Third one, and this is probably the hardest one, as my wife was looking at what I was gonna say this morning. She's like, yeah, you might want to take that one out. I was like, well, you're not gonna be there, so I'm gonna, (laughs) and the live stream cut off, so she doesn't know what I'm saying right now. Uh, So this is a hard one. Number three, and please be gracious with me here, please. Number three, arrive early, okay? I understand there's a little bit of like, hey, the worship pastor guy's preaching on worship and he's telling me things. He's like, I feel like, you know, one of those mid-level marketers is trying to get you to buy something that's a benefit to them. That's not how this is. But what happens when you arrive early is it gives you plenty of time, not only to connect with the Lord, but to connect with one another. So hard if you arrive late and you just come in frazzled. I want you to arrive late rather than not at all. So does the Lord. I've got four kids The way it works, in my mind, is like for every kid you have, you can be 15 minutes late. Um, That's my math. So I give myself a buffer there, and you can too. There's grace. But think about it, man. If you're going to arrive early, what it does is it's not just a vertical experience between you and the Lord. It's between you and one another. That's why we gather. Something special happens because you need to be encouraged by the brothers around you and the sisters around you they're singing. And sometimes they sing things that you can't sing and you need to hear them and you need to know them. And so this is an experience in worship and that's not going to happen unless you get here in time to make it happen. And lastly, the fourth one, engage wholeheartedly. Engage wholeheartedly. Just jump in to the deep end. Let the call to worship and the opening hymn and the songs flood your mind and heart. Sing loud. Sing loudly, breathe deeply, feel passionately, and participate physically. Let me say that again. Sing loudly, breathe deeply, feel passionately, and participate physically. I grew up in a church where if someone raised their hand during a song, the song leader would stop and ask them if they had a question. No, that's not true, but it felt like that. It felt like that. It felt like if I raised my hand, he was going to stop because he was just like, what are you doing over there? Um, So I didn't grow up with a whole experience of like emotions and physical bodily presence in worship. But Psalm 95 is clear. Our bodies are to be engaged. Look at the language, shout, sing, praise, bow, kneel, hear. Your entire body is engaged in worship as it should be, as is worthy when we're worshiping the Lord. And there are times when you're not going to feel like that. In your body, you're not going to feel like praising the Lord. You barely got here. You drug dry bones out of bed and got here. But you're here. And the Lord is calling you to worship him. The emotions may not be engaged, but you, that doesn't mean you, can, you don't engage your body. Okay. If you're not feeling it, that doesn't mean that you can't engage your body. Actually, in those times, I think you need to engage the body first in order to engage your heart with joy and thanksgiving. And this is how it works. I think you can leverage the physical aspect of your being, of your posture, to engage the emotional dimension of your heart. And here's an example. I don't know if you've ever knelt down to pray. When I kneel to pray, it's not usually because I feel desperate, it's because I know that I am desperate, and kneeling actually puts me in a posture to make that sort of truth come alive in my heart. You see how that works? It's not a fake it until you make it, it's a practice it until you become it. So Psalm 95 actually gives us reasons for why we're to worship this way with our whole lives and our whole hearts and our whole bodies. Anytime you see the word for in the Bible, it's giving you a reason. So come, for, is the second point. Look at verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. So the peoples, they may worship thousands of gods, little g-gods, but the Lord is a great God and he's above them all. So we sing, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, come to his temple, draw near, join me in glad adoration. Then look at verse four says, in his hands are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So God created everything that ever was or is, and he rules the world. So those are, those are good reasons for worshiping the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So he not only made the world, but he made you. And he made me. He's our creator and our redeemer. But he's also our shepherd. He's the one who rescues us when our hearts run in the wrong direction. Look at verse seven. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So there's this image here of a shepherd who knows you better than you know yourself. This maker, this creator of heaven and earth who is right now, Holding all things in place. The stars in place, the galaxies in place, the tiny little molecules that are holding your body together. He's got them. And the sovereign creator still knows you. And he cares about you like a shepherd who has an, a, an incredible flock, but he knows them all by name. And when we wander, he pays attention. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. He's paying attention to you now, even as I speak. He knows what's going on in your heart, and he sees. He's a shepherd who who pursues sheep that are lost, and he cares for them, and he leads them beside still waters. He causes them to lie down in green pastures. He restores their soul. And it's this reality of God being creator who knows you and cares about you and loves you that leads you to worship. So come for worship. Look with me at verse six. And I, Verse six is special. I want to draw your attention to the three verbs that are actually in verse six. They all mean the same thing, but they create sort of a graphic picture of what it means for us to worship. Look at verse six. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And if you're reading this in Hebrew, if you wanted to take a really strict translation, there's three verbs there, and they all basically mean the same thing. They're different verbs, but they all basically mean the same thing. And if you were going to be very strict about it, you would say this, Come, bow down, bow down, bow down. The word worship, fall on your face, sort of prostrate before the Lord. Bow down, kneel before the Lord. And yet, it's not a sort of like, man, the Lord is a tyrant. He's a strict dictator. If you don't bow down, then you better watch out. No, it's different. It's it's a joyful, thankful, restful bowing. Remember verses 1 and 2, shout for joy to the Lord. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. It's the bowing of a sheep before a strong and kind shepherd. That's the posture here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm going to bow down before the Lord. And I don't know where you are today, sort of in your journey. Like I said, you go throughout the week, you come out of tune. Sometimes you wander as sheep wander away from the fold of God. And maybe your heart has drifted. Maybe you're restless this morning because you've been looking for rest and joy and satisfaction and things that would never uh, give it to you in the first place. And the call to worship in Psalm 95 says this. It says, the Lord cares about you like a shepherd who chases down his sheep, who knows them. He sees your heart. He knows what's going on. He understands the pressures. And he's calling you to come to him, to worship him, to find rest in him today. Because the call to worship isn't just an invitation. The call to worship is also a warning to the wandering heart, the the heart that's looking for rest and joy in life anywhere other than Christ. It's a warning. And so he says, today. I want you to see that in the passage. Look at the last part of verse seven. There's this shift in this tone it goes from joy and thanksgiving and worship to the words, today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Come for worship today. What, why, how, and when? Today, when you, when you hear the call of God to worship, respond, period. The scriptures say, come for worship today. As soon as you hear his voice, answer the call. And it's not a call that says, do right, do better, do more. That's not the call. That's not the gospel. Do right, do better, do more. The gospel is, come to me, all you who are weary, and you will find rest. Come to me for life. Come to me Joy. Every time we reject the voice of God, the heart becomes dull, desensitized. It gets hard, and the more we suppress the voice of God, the harder it is to actually hear it. That's why the Scriptures constantly say, "If you hear His voice, respond today. If you hear Him today, worship the Lord." And if you see these inclinations throughout the week, you're like, "Man, I'm I'm going out of tune. I'm spiraling." today the Lord is calling, turn to me, come to me, find rest. If there's unconfessed sin, if there's a bit of faithlessness, if you feel a wandering, if you're less excited to be with Jesus than you were a week ago, if you're less hungry for his presence and his love, if you're where you are right now and and you're thinking, man, I could not imagine my, myself being in this place even three years ago. Jesus says, don't harden your heart. It's not too late. Come. There's rest. There's life. There's joy. Heed my voice. Obey my voice and turn to me. He's inviting you into his love. That's what the call to worship is. It's an invitation to the presence and the power of God. God. And it comes with this warning because there may be a day, Jesus says, where if you don't heed my voice, that you'll never hear it again. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know my voice and they come to me. But Jesus isn't just the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Amen. He's a good shepherd. He's also the lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. And though he never wandered from God's love, though he never disobeyed God, no, he never rejected the voice of God, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, the Gospels tell us. Jesus is the lamb who was slain, whose blood was sacrificed to pay for your debt and for my debt. So that when we hear his voice and we return to God, We don't return with condemnation. We don't return with guilt. We don't return with shame. We actually return as those who have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. That's the gospel. And the call to worship then is to respond as those who have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb of the Lamb. And we get to come into His presence. Remember those early verses of Psalm 95. We get to come into His presence and with joy. Come into His presence with thanksgiving. Come and experience His love. We get to bow down before Him in wonder and awe because He is our God and the creator of the universe. Creator of the universe laid down His life so that you could live in right relationship with Him and you could have rest that your soul so desperately needs. Even today, Psalm 95 says, he's calling you, calling you. Come to me for joy. Come to me for life. Come to me for rest. Come to me for peace. Come to me and worship me in spirit and in truth. Let's pray.